Amen? So be blessed. All right, we're all ready to go? Okay. Oh, good. Praise the Lord. Now, um, obviously it's Father's Day and we always kind of consider some of these things and I do want to consider the aspect of father of, of, uh, of a father this morning, but I want to consider God the Father. Hallelujah. And so in the context of these things, and uh, we have the perfect example, the one who is perfect in God himself. And uh, as uh, Sam pointed out, he, he uh, fulfills various offices and functions, but he is a father, Father God. And so we want to consider that thought this morning. Because, um, as you know, I've been associated with the... Uh, I haven't... My brother, has, who has been going through his uh, marital, marital issues now for some time and, and a divorce and, and six children and just the, the legalities and the nonsense that has uh, transpired in all of that and being exposed to the whole system and just everything that's been going on in the world around us. And one of the things that is quite evident to me um, is we have a social epidemic on our hands, and it's this: we have a we have a fatherless generation that is manifesting. And so I know it's always existed. Don't get me wrong, and uh, and so forth. But in the context of the life in which we're a part of, and the generations that are, are coming through, we are seeing the escalation of a fatherless generation. That, uh, and and the, 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 the consequences of that are catastrophic. And uh, to just see what's going on around us and the impacts of how that affects a society and how it affects and the ripples through on every level. And so, um, and it's in that context that I've pondered and I've thought about that, and I want to preach on God being a father to the fatherless. Because, um, like I said, there are so many that have grown up in, in, without a father, in, 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 especially in the context of why God would have a father to operate within the family. And the devil has sought to destruct, bring destruction and to a many degree has brought destruction to the family and, uh, and, and the whole system is set, it works in such a way to disconnect the father from the family. And I know that sometimes if they're a threat, then that's, you know, that's required. But the whole system is somehow kind of this, you know, you're not the important factor in this anymore. But you see, fathers are, are very, very important in the purpose of God and in uh, child rearing and raising and so forth. But so God sees the destruction that this and the consequences of this in society and not just in society and, and what we see, but rather God sees the internal damage and destruction that it causes and the impact upon the souls and, uh, of men in which people grow up in, and, um, and uh, really abound in their brokenness and sufferings as a result of this. Now, in saying that, I can relate to it. My parents divorced when I was five years old and I had uh, uh, various memories that are associated with that. So I can relate to some of the things that I'm talking about this morning. And I know that uh, um, the impact uh, that that had upon my life, and so um, not that my father wasn't there, uh, I did see him, but you see when a family fractures, when a family separates, there are certain consequences that, are, that play themselves out. And so for, for me, my father couldn't father me in the strictest sense. 
And so as a young teenager, you know, out I went. There was a rebellion that was so deep in my own heart with the result of resentment and hurt that was in my life. And so, um, so I know the consequences of that. Now again, I'm not excusing, and you know me, I'm not excusing the issue of human responsibility because that's important and it's fundamental in many ways. But nevertheless, and I'm not seeking to point the finger and blame others, but we can't neglect the, the, the issue of what we call environmental factors and the impact that these things do have. And the result, and that we, some of these things we see them play out and we see the society around us, but what it is, it's, a, it's, it's all connected back to the breakdown of the family and especially that which relates to fathers. And so as God sees that, God sees himself as a father to the fatherless. Praise the Lord. And so because uh, uh, everyone needs a father. And in this instance, where it may not be possible, God is the perfect father. Hallelujah. And um, like I said, the, the consequences that are manifesting, men, the, the mental issues. We have a, the epidemic of, of mental issues. Again, I've said it before, we have so many professionals, so many so-called professionals filtered throughout the whole system and yet we have unprecedented levels of mental health. Hello? It's not getting better. And, uh, and so as we, as we look at the consequences that play themselves out in the social realms and we look at the, the people's lives that are, that, that, that are socially and mentally and emotionally damaging and uh, the consequences of that, God sees all these things. God sees all of these things. He sees the brokenness of people's lives. God in his love and his mercy wants to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to bring salvation. He wants to bring deliverance. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring wholeness. And amen, he did it in my life and I'm sure he's done it in yours in various ways. But I want to look at God being a father to the fatherless this morning. Because that is what he is. Psalm 68 verse 5. It's a familiar portion of scripture. But let's read it, five and six, actually. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. You see, what we have here, in effect, God is taking the place of the parent. A father of the fatherless and a defender of widows. The reason why we find these words is, as we've already established, God sees the impact. God is not ignorant. He sees all. Everything's naked. He sees the devastation in people's lives and the, the brokenness in people's hearts. And so he, these things don't go unnoticed by the Lord. He is a father to the, of the fatherless and a defender of widows. You know, And so we see here that they get God's attention. Why is it that fatherless children and widows, as are being identified here in verse 5, why is it that they draw the attention of God? 
because they are the most vulnerable in society. Amen? That's why James, in reiterating this truth, he says that pure and undefiled religion before God the Father, God the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their times of trouble and their distress. Because they are the most vulnerable. We're talking about, uh, in this instance, as we fo- we're focusing on God a Father, we're talking about orphans who don't have uh, a father around. They're being orphaned. And so the heart of God is deeply moved uh, and, uh, and, and his attention is drawn because the reality is, is their troubles are many. Growing up in such circumstances, uh, and as we've already noted, the inflicting aspects that are associated with this. But God, amen, the Bible says is a father of the fatherless. In the book of uh, uh, Jeremiah, we don't have to turn there, but in Jeremiah 49 there is a pronouncement of judgment upon the nation of Edom. And so God is bringing uh, the indictments and the judgment against this particular nation, but in doing so, he notes uh, and and he remembers specifically again the the fatherless and the widow. Specifically, God says, leave the fatherless children and I will preserve them. Because again, they're getting God's attention. God sees and God notes this aspect of those that are left fatherless and his heart and his desire is to meet with them and to meet their need and to be a father this morning to the fatherless. You see, the word fatherless in the Hebrew, comes from a root word and it means loneliness. And surely one of the sicknesses of the soul is loneliness. Can you say amen? Loneliness is so contrary to the nature of God. It's so contrary to the purpose of God, the plan of God in God creating us. The whole issue is of loneliness runs against the very very nature and purpose of God. And so loneliness uh, is something that is seen in the world around us as a consequence of sin and all the destruction that is around us. But you see, loneliness uh, is a a spiritual sickness in a sense. Not that it's not without its healing, uh, but nevertheless it's a reality. And the impacts, again, upon the human soul and spirit uh, are such. They're widespread. They manifest in so many different ways. People have broken hearts. People suffer from depression. People uh, deal with issues of rejection, the dysfunction. You know, I've had to deal with people over the years and, you know, for some that grow up in, 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 in normal, if you want to call it to a degree, or at least in, in a household with fathers, especially with God as a father, but to hear stories of people who self-mutilate. That, 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 they, that they cut themselves because of their self-hatred. I mean, you know, we talk about these things, but they're real, they happen. And you, I've sat there and listened to people share some of their stories and your heart is just deeply moved that, you, that, the, that the, the, the pain and suffering is such that they can cut themselves and inflict such deep pain upon them and yet somehow... Uh, that. It's demonic. It's it's crazy, and yet, but it is real, and it's a it's a symptom of the deep, deep suffering that is in the hearts of many. 
that issue of self-destruction that tends as a result of loneliness. You see, God is love this morning. And God can't stand idly by and just turn a blind eye to these things. He sees the suffering. He sees the loneliness. He sees the, the things that are going on deep down in the hearts that are beyond the surface from what we can see. And so love can't stand idly by. So God, in his love this morning, he responded. He did something in that he came down from heaven. Hallelujah. And in, and, and in recognizing the root cause of all of these things, he dealt with it. And that is the issue of sin. We have in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, we have Jesus on the day he was anointed for ministry, the day in which... He declared himself and the plan and purpose of God in Luke 4.18. There it is. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To, uh, to, uh, he has to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And they are many, church. There's a world out there. And despite what we see on the surface, there is a subsurface. And I tell you what, that's where God sees and that's where we need to be able to see as well. Also, you'll see in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, about the, uh, the purpose of Jesus Christ. The scripture says uh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about do good, doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And so we cannot disconnect the, the, the source of these sufferings, the destruction that has been wrought on the human soul and spirit as a result of sin and, uh, and all that's associated with it. But thank God that Jesus Christ he came to do good and heal all who were oppressed of the devil. To heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty the, uh, those that are captives. This is, the, this is the nature of the gospel. This is the nature of the, the purpose of God. And in our text it says, He is a father to the fatherless. See, this is what it's all about. You see, firstly and foremost, we must recognize that God is a father this morning. He is a father. That's why when the disciples said, Lord, how should we pray? Uh, he, uh, Jesus responds and says, our father who art in heaven. This is the nature and the manner in which we are to relate to him in the way in which we commune with him because sometimes we think of him as the high and mighty one which he is, praise the Lord. He is uh, uh, he, uh, and all of those things that we understand about him and his majesty and his awesomeness and sovereignty and we stand in awe and we feel so lowly and we are so lowly but yet uh, Jesus says, our Father who art in heaven. That's the spirit in manner in which we are to relate to God this morning. Our Father. When Paul, who recognised and understood this, he wrote about it in Romans 8 and he made emphasis on the fact that we have been adopted into the, uh, into the, 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 um, the family of God. 
and he talks about this uh, and the spirit of God that is in us uh, and he speaks of the spirit of adoption in Romans 8. You can uh, look at this if you, in your own time but he looks at it in contrast to the spirit of bondage and he says we have not been given the spirit again to fear but we have been adopted now to the family of God. We are the children of God and the spirit is in us uh, and it makes an emphasis that we cry out Abba Father. That's the nature of our connection. That's the nature of our relationship with the Lord. Hallelujah. He is our Father. And we don't have to fear and be scared of Him in that sense. Amen. But we can approach Him. He has put His Spirit into our hearts. We are accepted into the beloved, by the Beloved. And we are in Christ. And we can cry out to Him. Abba, Father. You see that... The, what Paul's trying to communicate here is that we can come to God and relate to God in the spirit of an affection, affectionate and tender child. Our Father. He is my Father. We have been adopted. We are part of the family of God. You can see this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Let me read it to you. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us before in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. That word accepted means to grace. We have been given a special place of honour. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, um, uh, Sam spoke about the breastplate and uh, of judgment that sat over the heart of Aaron. And so we see the nature of God in that he having borne our, our, the judgment of sin for us uh, and we are close to the heart of God. We have been accepted into the, by, uh, uh, in, in the beloved and we are, we are highly favoured of the Lord this morning. And so this is, this is, see this is why God takes those that are lonely. This is why he takes a fatherless generation and he puts them into the family of God. He puts them in Christ. And I tell you what, the, and they become, from it being a nobody, they become somebody. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus. That's where our identity comes from. Amen. Christ. But you see, Psalm 147 again speaks to us the nature of the Father. When it says these words, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. Verse uh, 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. You know how many stars there are? He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. And so God is saying to you and I this morning that I tell you, he knows us intimately. Can you say amen? He knows us deep in our hearts. He sees the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Bible says we are naked before him. 
And so uh, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord is like a lamp, amen, and God sees the inner depths. Of, and, and it's not all good either, mind you, as, as the Scripture tells us, but He knows us. He knows us like nobody else. And so he gathers together the outcasts of Israel. See, this is the heart of God again being manifest. And he heals the brokenhearted. And listen, he binds up their wounds. Oh, praise the Lord. He binds up their wounds. You see, people can carry a broken heart for years and many, 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 many years. Some never, they never recover. But the Bible says he binds their wounds. He, in other words, he heals the brokenhearted. But we don't have to remain. We come to God in, in that brokenheartedness and with some of the, uh, the baggage of life and those things. But God is a father in his love as we grow into him. Amen. We find that we are complete. We find that we are whole. We find that we are healed. Praise the Lord. And so, this is the result of the Father heart of God. But I want to look secondly with you, because it says here, a verse 5, A father of the fatherless is God in his holy habitation. Now listen to what God does in verse 6. God sets the solitary in families. God sets the solitary in in families. You see, it doesn't just end with God being a father, hallelujah, but God also has a plan, and that plan is to put people into families. Can you say amen? You see, this is, we're talking here about, in this instance, we're talking about the family of God. Pastor Werner's favourite song. <laughs> we love this family of God. So, <laughs> uh, and what's the other one? I'm so glad <laughs> of the family of God. But you see, it's true. And the, 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 the God sets the solitary. He takes the lonely. He takes the, them and he, and he puts them into families. And so this is what makes the, 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 the church or the body of Christ so unique and so special. Because we are one. We are one in Christ and the church has many members but, but it is one. And so we're all individuals but yet we're all connected and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we call ourselves the brethren and we have one father, hallelujah, and we are all brethren. But more than that, uh, the Bible talks about that God, that, that we talk about the church universal but you see the church has to have a practical manifestation and it's right here this morning. And God sets the solitary in families. That's why I believe uh, that God uh, puts, uh, will, will plant our lives in a local assembly. He puts us in families because uh, we have to be connected. We have to be established. And it's there that we, get, we find our most, uh, 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 draw our most from the Lord and our most useful in, into God as we serve one another in love. He puts the lonely or the solitary, into families. You see, this is so critically important. And that's why the initial relationships of a, of a, of a new Christian are very, very vital to their spiritual well-being. That's why as us uh, that are older in the faith, uh, our, that's why it's important that we are mingling and that we are greeting people as we see and we're 
fellowshipping and we're encouraging and we're getting to know each other because it fosters the spirit of family, it fosters love in which we stir up love and we encourage one another and it brings about a unity of faith and there's there's a healthiness associated with these things. Amen. The local church fulfills the function of a family. And for some, and I say for, for and I say uh, for for more than some actually, the, the bonds of a church family can be stronger than the natural family. And that's not always the case because, uh, but there are a lot of people there. They've come, they've come with people come from very dysfunctional homes. You know, there's, and so they don't understand what it is to even really have a family. And so, in, in, in that sense, and so for some, uh, being, in, especially for orphans who don't have anything, being part of the family of God is where they establish their identity. It's where they, in Christ and amongst the brethren. And so, uh, we, we can see that sometimes the bonds of family and the church can be stronger. And that's not a bad thing. Not that we're trying to override uh, families in any way. Actually, Jesus said, uh, even when you become a Christian, it's going to bring the enemies will be those of your own household. You just want to serve the Lord. You're glad to be a part of the family of God and your natural family's gone, like a bomb's gone off and everyone's gone crazy. And you just want to serve God. And so the, the natural progression is you establish relationships and you establish friends and you be with your brothers and sisters. And so God places the solitary in families. Praise the Lord. You see, that's why when Christians withdraw from fellowship, it is a destructive aspect in the kingdom of God. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There's something unique and special in that. And so whenever someone begins to isolate, the, and we as a body, especially for those that are part of a local assembly, the, the body will begin to respond in a certain way or react in a certain way. But in this instance, we pray that it is in the love of God because anyone that isolates or, or begins to drift off, we begin to respond to that. And so Christians who withdraw from fellowship, uh, uh, we're really we're warned against that. Isolation is not God's prescribed method. Amen. It's not. It's contrary to his plan and his purpose. And so when you're, when you're going through your greatest trials, when you're going through your darkest days, you know, the tendency is want to want to withdraw. The tendency is to want to isolate. The tendency is just to go hide in a corner and oh, that I had wings like a dove and just fly away. But no, God says, you know where you need to be? You need to be with your family. You don't neglect the gathering of those saints. Come together. It doesn't matter how bad it is. Amen. We're supposed to be here to comfort. We're supposed to be here to encourage. We're supposed to be here to love and to serve. Because this is where we find, and we should find, the comfort of God is in the house of God this morning. The family of God is so vital to our spiritual well-being and and our development as a Christian. I can't understate this. You see, this is why the Bible refers to spiritual fathers. And it was James last night in his testimony as he spoke about Pastor Winner and Ella and he said when he first came to Kingsway and how he established that connection with Pastor Werner and his own words, he said that he became to me like a spiritual father. Can I tell you, that is the most precious 
precious, precious thing to hear. Because this is why Paul says that, that the need in, in, in the family of God is to have spiritual fathers. Yes, God is our father, but you see, in the, in the function of the family of God, we need spiritual fathers who will be an example, who will take the time to invest. You see, because fathering is not just coming in and telling you what to do. You know, parenting is a, is a long-term strategy. It, involves, it, has a, it has trials and tribulations. It's difficult. And to work with people and to go work with them and to nurture them and see them discipled into Christ, it requires spiritual fatherhood. That's why Paul says you have 10,000 instructors. Come here, I'll tell you what you need to do. Instruction comes easy, especially to men. We can give instructions. I'm the best when it comes to instructions. I'll tell you what you need to do. But, I, but, but I've had to learn too in the process of life. It, it, it's, it's the issue of fatherhood and spiritual fathers. And so Paul says uh, uh, you might have 10,000 instructors, uh, but you don't have many fathers. And he's saying, I'm your spiritual father. I invested my life. I, I planted my life. I nurtured you. I taught you. I instruct you. I set an example for you to follow. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And there becomes the essence of discipleship in Christ. Jesus, he spent three years with 12 men and he lived with them. Could you imagine the disciples? Anyway, let's not go there. But he, he in a sense, he fathered them. And this is the principle behind the operation of the local church. It's the principle that lies behind discipleship. And it's the principle that lies behind the father heart of God. Spiritual fathers. That's why uh, God has called us to this. And though the challenges can be great, it, and, the, and when we when we give ourselves to this level of service, we will find ourselves vulnerable. We'll be hurt. We'll be let down. But we continue to give and we continue to serve. Paul says, I, 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 "In whom I labour again until Christ is born," because that's the Father heart of God. You see, we talk about the church and we talk about the family of God and where God has placed us. But you know, sometimes and it happens. Not that it should, but it does. Let's be real. Sometimes people can sit even amongst the family of God and they feel alone. Now, this is not how it should be, but it happens. Because for whatever reasons, and they're varied, but nevertheless we can sit there and we can be amongst the crowd in church and we can come and we can put the smile on our face and go praise the Lord, but deep down it's not what it should be. And that's not how God has ordained it. And so what I'm saying here is that uh, that issue of loneliness can creep in to an individual's life's life for various reasons and it ought not to be that way. See, God will, what would God say to us this morning? He would say this. God sees your heart. He sees the circumstances of your life. He knows what you're going through. Sometimes we feel so alone, so distant and disconnected from everyone, even God. But God wants you to know that you are his child. He is your father. And and so the tendency sometimes for various reasons can be to shut God out, to just not respond. God's trying. as Again, as Sam spoke about this morning, I stand at the door and I knock. 
I mean, how can it that Jesus is on the outside? He says, open the door and I'll sup with you. And there's that issue of fellowship, there's that issue of relationship that God so strongly desires, but sometimes we've pushed him out. And yet God would say, don't do that. He's knocking. He's not going to barge his way in, but he will just again, he'll come to your life and he'll knock. And he'll say, can I come in? And we'll say either yay or nay. But God's your father. He loves you. He's going to present himself to you again and again and again in the hope that you will yield and submit and respond to him. You see, Psalm 62 verse 8 says these words, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Pour out your heart to him. Think of God being a father and and your father in which the scripture tells us that we can cry out to God. The Bible tells us to cast your burdens upon Jesus because he cares for you. And we are told here to pour out our heart before him. And, you know, this is, I tell you, there's nothing greater than when we're bearing burdens and we're carrying a lot in our heart and that we can just get before God and pour out our heart. Pour it all out. Lay it all out. Speak it and say it. to God already knows it. He sees it. But he's waiting for us to respond to him and relate to him as such. And he is a refuge for us. God is not going to reject us. If we will come to him in faith, if we will trust in him, if we will call upon him, then I'm telling you that God, amen, will work in your heart and in your circumstances. And so I'm I'm urging you this morning to relate to God as a father. That's what I'm saying. And one last thing that I want to touch on as part of the fact that one is God is a father and two, that he places the solitary in families. Well, you know what? families need to do, they need to have strong sibling relationships. Amen? Strong sibling relationships. We can all sit here. But see, God would have us to be connected in such a deep way this morning, not isolated. And so, we need friends. We need friends that we can talk to. Friends that we can share with. The good and the bad. In which, Because that's what brings health. That's what brings healing. This is the process of the way God has ordered it. And so we need a, a friend, a brother or a sister in the faith uh, as part of the family of God, the household of faith that we can talk to. I found this quote. It says, Friendship is the thing most necessary to life since without friends no one would choose to live though possessed of all other advantages friends the reason why God places us in families is not just so that we can have a father but we can have friends family brethren, brothers and sisters relationships and this being nurtured is what brings strength to a local church hallelujah you see, God's cure for, as we conclude, God's cure for holiness, uh, sorry, for loneliness is twofold. It's, a, it's far, him as a, as a father to the fatherless and it's family. Father and family. And with that, you can't go wrong. Amen? You can't go wrong. 
And I know that families aren't perfect. Come and live with mine. <laughs> you know, I tell you, families are perfect. Let's just be real. I sometimes people uh, they you know they look at our family and they how wonderful and this I, I I recognize God's blessing, but I tell you what, spend a few days, spend a week in our house. Mm. <laughs> Whoa, Pastor Gary. But you see, but in saying that, the siblings have a strong relationship and a strong love for one another. But but then they have their little fights and it's like, whoa, take it easy. (laughs) And so, isn't it true? And so the local church is like that, is it not? (laughs) The family of God's a bit like that. And so we have our little tiffs here and there. We have our little relationship issues. Such and such said something, such and such grieved us. There's an offence here, an offence there, and these things happen. And so, but that's just the nature of it. But I tell you what, where God is first and where we are serving one another in love and where we are committed to one another in Christ and and to each other in love, I tell you what, it doesn't matter what we go through, we can overcome. In actual fact, out of those trials, the bond becomes stronger. The blessing becomes greater. Because when you, we talk about marriage, what you think when you get married and it's all just on cloud nine and it just keeps going up. No, no, it goes like this. <laughs> That's right. Then it goes up like this. <laughs> but I tell you, when you work, through those, when you, when, you, when you persevere and work in marriage, what you produce over the longevity of time is precious and it's priceless. And so the same principle applies in the family, in marriage, and the same principle applies in the local church. Amen? And so the, God sets the solitary in families. And I tell you, when we come to, when we come to God, we haven't got it all together. Let's be honest. And do we ever get it fully all together? I haven't arrived there yet. Maybe you have. But you see, these things exist. But where, the, where there's love, where there's forgiveness, where there's God at work in our midst, amen, love never fails. Never fails. And so, our prayer needs to be, God, help us to love with the love of God. Help us to love with the love of God because human love will only carry us so far. Actually, it can't. It always will collapse. But the love of God will bring us on into victory, into fullness, into the blessing. And this is how God would have it. Praise the Lord. You see, the world has Father's Day once a year. We have it every day. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for the word of God this morning. We just thank you, Lord, for your ministering spirit. God, this truth that we have just considered, Lord, we thank you that you are our Father. We thank you, Lord, that you have placed us in a family. And God, we just acknowledge these things and give you the glory.
in Jesus' name. Amen.